0: Hi, I'm Santeri Lilius, and you're listening to the Inside Position. Sacrifices. You've got to make sacrifice for your team. To answer your question.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Position with me, Tom Halpin. Today's guest is one of the top grapplers coming out of Europe in recent years, Finnish black belt Santeri Lilius. Santeri's been one of my main training partners the last couple of years, so it was great to have a chance to chat with him about his recent epic win at the ADCC European Trials in what was arguably the toughest division of the whole tournament. We also talked about some of the reasons behind Finland's success in grappling and especially ADCC, despite being such a small country, as well as much more, including some really interesting stories and lessons he's learned from his time in the military. As usual, if you enjoy the podcast, share it with your friends and subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes. For now, let's get stuck into another episode of Inside Position with Santeri Lilius. Hey terry thanks for coming on the show so i want to start off asking you about the recent adcc trials it was an epic day for yourself and i was wondering what were your thoughts
0: first couple hours i was pretty happy things were going good but then i ran out of water and food and everything and at the end of the day i was like when's this gonna end the longest day i've ever done in a tournament that's for sure
1: it's kind of hard to plan for it it's a lot different than the other competitions i found were you nervous going into it or anything
0: i was really nervous i was shooting myself in the first Round and then then you get nervous before the finals but i mean before that like during the the matches, they just keep on coming so you're just like fighting all the time and i i find in between the matches you don't get that nervous i was nervous trying to find water and things to eat there i had no idea it's gonna take 12 hours
1: did you have any specific game plans for the people or what
0: was your general ideas going in well, my game plan was to wrestle the leg lockers and leg lock the wrestlers but it didn't work at all i guess the idea was to try to finish as many people as you can so you don't end up spending so much time at the mats but i just end up spending so much time at the mats anyways i mean just play by the rules play by the adcc rule set i haven't done that that many times before so i had to to really actually figure out the rule set before i went in there and I had a couple of matches where, thanks to ADC's rules, I ended up winning. Basically, I don't give a shit what my opponents do. I try to do, well, what I do myself. Yeah, well, from watching it, it looked
1: like you were doing a good job imposing your game on everyone, which is nice. I suppose it takes a bit of the the stress out of the preparation. But leading up to it, were you putting much pressure on yourself with it? I know this has been a big goal of yours for a good while. So how did you balance putting pressure on yourself to try hard, but also not putting too much?
0: I think it was funny because actually... I've been training for this for like two years and the the previous ones I missed out due to an injury. So um, it was like going too smooth and I was actually, I was training really well and performing really well. But the day I woke up, I actually felt a little bit sick. Like my throat was sore and my nose was stuffed. And I was like, this can't be, (laughs) this can't be (laughs) true. Like my day, today is supposed to be my day and I'm sick. But I think that was actually a good thing because then my mind was on something else because I was trying to like relieve my throat from that. And I was just Thinking about where to get breath mints and then <laughs> try to find some tea or something. So, I mean, I I put a lot of pressure to myself on this one because I don't know how many, like I'm 30 years old right now, so I don't know how many diseases I have left. Like this one and maybe one more, but I don't think I'll do this when I'm like 45 still. So, don't know, don't know how many I do. So, I, I put a lot of pressure, but I think it was the right amount of pressure. I was like willing to die there. I didn't give a shit about that but also like i didn't freeze because of the pressure so i think it was the right amount but i can't put any more, or i'll like have a heart attack
1: a lot of the europeans i talked to it seems like they put a lot of pressure on them like i know myself put a lot of pressure on myself living up to maybe the standard and i don't know where it comes from maybe it's the fact that we're off over in europe we don't get I wouldn't say the same attention, but the same opportunities to compete against the best people in the world. You only have maybe one or two, maybe three goals of it a year. So each competition maybe matters more. I don't know if you feel that as well or... What you're
0: yeah, 100%. I, I think here we have less exposure. I mean, big tournaments in Europe, we have like the Euros, Nogi Euros and ADCC. And out of everything, ADCC is the biggest. So I think especially when it's the second trials, the last trials in Europe, that's your only chance. So I think, that, I think I would have been more relaxed at the first one because I still knew I had a chance, but I missed it due to an injury. So I mean, <laughs> it was do or die. And so was there anything you picked up
1: from the trials and your experience there that you'll take into the actual ADCC in a few months time like any little changes to preparation or different things to focus on?
0: Yeah, I think I got I got to figure out the rule set because there were some matches where I thought I'm winning and then I end up being like draw, like like points were even, so I, I gotta I got to figure out the rule set before I go. Even though you do well, like, I won, but I I still think it wasn't, like, a a really good performance. Like, I'm happy I won and everything, but, like, I I need to improve some things. Some things that I I thought I'm really good in. I've never done the world, so I think it's going to be different. But I I actually think the Trials, by themselves, is physically harder. Like, skill-wise, I think the the ADCC Worlds are, like, technically people will be, like, one notch better still. But I think just the sheer physicality of the Trials, like, your seven matches in. Six matches in, and then you have the finals, so it's like it's, it's a long day. So, I think probably I need to work on technical things, but I think physic wise, if I'm as good of a shape as I was at the trials, definitely don't want to do 40 minutes of double overtime at the finals <laughs> if I get there. So, I think rules first, wrestling, and then I mean, everything scoring at ADCC, I gotta work that out as well.
1: And the wrestling is something you put a big emphasis on, I know, in training and everything. When did you start putting such an emphasis on that and how do you feel like it's helped your game over the last few years?
0: I had a friend here in Spain. He He's passed away already, but he was um, a Division one wrestler from... He was Iranian-German, but he lived in in US for many years. And uh, I was just doing gi and gi and gi and pulling guard and, 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 and pulling guard in no gi. And, and then one day I was like, why don't I just try to wrestle with this guy? Like, maybe I could could learn something from him and that day i got the biggest ass whooping of of my life actually to be fair he um i got taken down and pinned and everything and after that i figured that there's a whole whole world to train in and i could also take advantage of having a guy like that basically training with me so uh, i mean i wrestled with him for like six six years five six years uh, like three times a week at least and I mean, after that, you. then I wanted to do wrestling at my gym, so uh, I got lucky. I have a few students. I have a Spanish champion in freestyle wrestling training with me, and we have really good training in wrestling, but I've done it for a long time, and it, it's it's won me in some matches. It used to be a disadvantage of mine. I used to be very easily taken down, and I think that now, <laughs> in my mind, I, I was thinking I'm really good at taking people down, but that wasn't the case. But at least I'm hard to take down.
1: Yeah, you kind of headed the curve with that, really. Over the last few years, you're really seeing all the top level guys now are pretty good at wrestling, top, bottom, passing and everything. And I guess it helps impose your game a lot as well. Some of the problems I would have had before when, now I'm not saying I'm good at wrestling now, but I'm definitely better than I was. And it can be a bit hard to maybe impose your game on someone who has some weaker areas you want to be able to exploit it. Is there anything specific you're going to be doing over the next while to maybe mix the wrestling with the ground for the upcoming ADCC?
0: I was watching a lot of JT Torres before this. I think he has the perfect combination of like, like taking people down and then attacking their back from the takedown. I think in Finland, he he won the the finals with that. So that's definitely something I'm gonna, gonna work on. I mean, I think wrestling now is making a comeback in general because like, it used to be leg locks. I think like the last, like the ADCC, I think the one in Finland in 2017, like people still people who were doing leg locks were like ahead of the curve, but I think now people, everyone knows leg locks, or at least in a moderate level, so I think now the ones who can wrestle and pass guard will be strong.
1: And why is Finland so strong at ADCC? There's always people representing from Finland, there's a lot of medalists from Finland, a lot of the referees and everything are from Finland.
0: Where does that all come from? Well, first of all, we have the, the European president, he's from Finland. I don't know the story why he's the president of Europe, but... Uh, I know he's been around forever. And to be honest, I don't know. This should be something that like some media should cover because like this year we have four four competitors from, from Europe. We have me at eighty eight, Bertot Tepparen at ninety nine and Heiki Yusila at plus ninety nine and then we have Elvira in the women's category. And like three of us won. And, and Elvira, three, of us, uh, three of us won the trials and Elvira got invited because she's a medalist from the year before. So uh, to be honest, I don't know. But I, I I mean, we're just simple people. We just grapple, grapple every day. And I, I, in Finland, ADCC is like the big thing. So I think every single ADCC there's been at least the last like five, there's been somebody from Finland like always.
1: Mm. And how does the grappling culture in finland compared to spain because you've been living in spain now a good few years and i'd say the normal culture of day-to-day life seems probably very different and i was wondering if if the grappling has a big difference in the culture though
0: like in finland the average like work rate is, is maybe a little bit higher like spanish people like the siesta and fiesta so it's um the good life the good life they're a bit more relaxed when it comes to training but like you can Definitely impose hard training regimen on them, and like what I have at my gym right now, they they are super motivated to train. So I think it it, it just takes time for it to work. I mean, ADCC has been in Finland, or, or like grappling has been in Finland since like 2001. In 2003, I think we had our first competitor at ADCC, or at least 2007. So, like, it's just been there forever. And, like, space only had ADCC tournaments for, like, two, three years. Even grappling here is not that big of a thing. I think people still do a little bit more gi, but it's it's starting to get there. I mean, it's such a big country. There's, like, 40 million people living here, whereas in Finland we have five. So, it's, like... I think it's very like separated how people train here. And you have a good guy there, you have a good guy here, but they don't really see each other that often because it's such a big distances to go train.
1: Yeah. And when you opened the gym, was it difficult getting the culture that you want? Because I'd say when you start a gym, you have a lot of ideas about how you want it to be. And in reality, it's probably a lot more difficult than that. Did you have any ideas or struggles with like getting the culture and the training and everything to be the way you wanted when you first opened
0: it? Like you can sort of see from the first day when they come train if they will, not every time, but most of the times you can tell tell by the looks if they can make it or not. Like my oldest student, he's 74 and he has one lung. So like if he can do it, anyone can do it. But it's up to you to push yourself. And, and like I expect, I don't expect anything crazy. I don't push them until they die. But like I expect them to train like I was brought up training. Consistency, like training. I suppose, really. Yeah exactly no I'm training and and I treat people a little bit differently if you do it for a hobby you do it because it's good time I understand that 100% and I like that those are the core like people don't understand that the competitors they don't make you any money you don't make you just end up losing money with competitors but the, the everyday people the hobbies they're, they're the ones who pay the bills so I, I do treat them differently much nicer than I treat the athletes like, you, you've seen me yell to the people a thousand times there, to the athletes if they're late or something. But, like, I don't mind if a hobbyist is late from the training because that's their good time. They come there to see what's up. But I do push them. I don't believe in, in, in like, training to be just only fun. I think it's, it's fun after you've done it. You push yourself a little bit and... And it's good time. Now in Spain, it's like 30 degrees and we do trainings where like I'm preparing for daily CCs and whatever. So I just, we just, yesterday we trained five minute rounds. We did 45 minutes of five minute rounds with 20 second rest and it's 30 degrees. No problem.
1: A lot of the best gyms I've been in, the hobbyists are as tough as the competitors sometimes and everyone, it's like they get their fun from improving and getting better. So I think having that base culture of like consistency and trying to improve and everything
0: it helps everyone enjoy it a lot more in the long run as well. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the biggest gyms in the world, I would probably say you have like the art of jiu-jitsu, extremely competitive gym, which is, is very hard training. God damn, we did like 10 rounds of 10 minutes there once, and they, they closed the, the doors because they wanted to wanted us to sweat more, so that, <laughs> the, that was rough. In Athos in San Diego, full of champions as well, and they train extremely hard, but it's full of hobbies. They probably have 1,000 people who do it for fun. And they're really good. And And people enjoy that. Like I, I think we are meant to, to train harder. Because when pe- normal people, when they go for a run, I mean, they're not going to run in an easy pace all the time. They a little bit want to go faster, and they enjoy the improvement aspect of the game. So it's the same thing in Jiu-Jitsu. People enjoy challenges and, and passing them and overcoming them. And people enjoy feeling like shit sometimes as well. That's what it is. And I think they like to see... Like I never asked them to do something that I don't do myself. Like yesterday when we did those rounds, those five minute rounds, I did every single round as well. Like, and I, I always tell them, listen, guys, I'm just as fucked as you are. Like, I'm not a superhero. I do feel the same as you do. But when you think you're fucked, you're actually like 45% fucked. <laughs> and and I, I think that's very yeah. true. When when we think we can't do anymore, like just this morning, somebody said, oh, man, I don't know if I can finish the round. And I said, try, try. And then he did amazing also to some guy. And I was like, look, man, you would have sat out the round because you were feeling tired, but now you did the coolest throw of the week. So, like, I think we, everyone has a little bit more in the tank always, that we think.
1: Anytime anyone's having a bad day at the gym, I'm always like, well, look, you're due a good one now tomorrow, you know? Yeah,
0: oh, yeah, exactly.
1: But I remember one of the first trainings we ever did with you over in Spain, so, like, one of the first days I kind of met you properly in training away. Loads of hard rounds, everyone was so tired, and you were in the corner, like, maybe one drop of sweat coming down, and you are like, my heart is going 200. But in the most, like, stoic way.
0: <laughs> Before in Spain, I didn't have the pleasure of having a hard... Uh, like high level training partners only until recently. So I've just trained with like people gave me their everything. and like I would just be in the middle and I would have two different guys fresh like attacking me one by one by one and 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 I, I learned to to suffer. and I kind of like it. it I like before the ADCC, <laughs> I said to somebody, that I want to see how, because in my mind I'm very hard, but I don't know how hard I am. So I wanted, I, I said, I want to go see how tough I really am. Because you don't know until you try. And um, it was, oh, god damn, it was tough. You saw me with the Crazy Polish guy. Like that's that one match, it really took a lot out of me. It was very hard to win. But like, I'm happy because I was tired and my mind was already like thinking I might lose this and and, and very tired. But I remember just trying my best and, and remembering that the suffering I've done at the gym.
1: But a lot of the Finnish guys I competed against, they're some of the most tough people I've ever gone against. I don't know if it's something in the culture. I know the military is kind of a big thing there and stuff. Is that a consistent
0: theme over there or how have you found it? I think the guys who come to ADCC they're extremely tough because we don't nobody who's a tourist ever goes there from Finland I would say. So you, you have the young younger kids who are there to just sort of see how far they can go. And then you have the, the guys who are aspiring to win it. Like you fought Thomas and he's like known to be he's like known to be extremely tough. Yeah, every single match he does is like until the death. He does he doesn't he doesn't quit. So I don't know, I mean Imagine Finland is really cold we have really high taxes life is kind of like i want to say shitty but it's it's not definitely uh same life as I live here in Spain so i think it toughens you up and then also you do military so you and in the military you you will suffer it doesn't matter what you do you are going to suffer so
1: so all the lads there have to do, is it one or two years?
0: Yeah, we have mandatory military service. You have to do it starting the day you are when you're 18. And if you avoid it, you'll end up going to jail. So you can, I mean, if, if you don't, yeah, if you don't really want to do it, you can do a uh, civil service, which means you'll go to work in a kindergarten or doing something for something in good of the nation. But like most people, it's, it's kind of like a manly thing to do military also in Finland. Like for me, it was dead. Like I was 100% going to do military. And um, it's one year. It's it's normal service time. You can do six months if you really don't enjoy it. But most people will do probably a year. Nine months to a year. And how was it?
1: Was there some things you took from it? Was it a positive or a negative thing overall? Oh,
0: yeah. Very positive. Very positive. Imagine you're 18 years old and they take you out of the comfort life. Life is amazing. You're 18. You can go out. You'll meet people. And they take you out of that little bubble. And they stick you in a room where people yell at you. And they teach you how to clean and cook for yourself and 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 if if you don't take care of your equipment no one will so i mean if you like i remember one camp we went out and it was raining and all our shit was was wet and i remember one of the guys he was like oh i've had enough i'm just gonna go to sleep and we were all like okay so he just went to sleep, woke up next morning. All his things were still wet in a in a bag, whereas everyone else spent a lot of time like cleaning the, the equipment and putting it back. So then you'll just be in a wet gear for a week or however long it takes you to get some time. So I think it really teaches you something really good. Plus also people in the world like that we've done military. Everyone is more or less trained. Like I bet you the guys who you competed against, they, they've done military. Um, How did the move over to Spain come about then? So after the military in Finland, I went to this thing called the Sports Institute of Finland. Like, I got accepted to be, like, sort of, like, a professional athlete line of, of studying. So you end up getting your, like, I think it's bachelor's degree in English in sports sciences. I loved it. It was awesome school. But after that finished, I was like, damn, I should probably, like, I wanted to pursue my career of jujitsu, but I didn't know um basically how to make money so then somebody somebody who was working for Roger Gracie had a gym here in in Malaga Spain and he offered me a job i was a brown belt back then so i just moved over here and and uh, that's when the thing started like i needed to find training for myself because back before that in finland it was like Quite easy for me to find training. I just went to train with the boys, and, and just like it is now in Spain. We didn't have as good levels as we have now in Spain, but we had decent levels.
1: And how did you figure out the training situation back then? Like, if you're teaching a lot, and it's probably a lot of lower-level people... Did you have to go to other gyms or bring other people
0: in? So I found that D1 wrestler like almost immediately because he was sort of looking for the same thing. He was looking for somebody to train with and he was living in, in another city where the level wasn't as high enough. So he heard that I was in town and first time we trained, he fucking headbutted me and I got a massive cut and my eyes swell up. And I remember, because I was a little bit soft back then, I remember he headbutted me and I quit and I was like, oh man, my eye. And he was like, "I who gives shit about eyes? So um, after, like like that guy really taught me how to be tough because now if somebody headbutts me in my mind, I just go into Valhalla mode. But before, like back then I wouldn't, I was like, oh man, this guy's hurting me. I don't want to get injured or something. So that was one. And then I just, I just stopped training. If you're good, I was going to train with you. And also I spent a lot of my money by um, flying people over from Finland to train with me.
1: And then the transition from going, being a coach there to opening your own gym. How did that come about? Was that always the goal? Oh, definitely not.
0: No, I mean, I was like 20, 24 or 25 when we opened the gym. Yeah, I was 23 when I got my black belt. And then I think I was working there for one more year or like six months. But then little jujitsu politics came to place and um, I decided that that um, I'd probably have to do my own thing if I want to make, make a living in Spain. So me and my business partner, Luke Burnett, we found uh, a space in Torremolinos where we're right now. And there was a coach before, but he... At the time, I needed a gym. This guy was looking forward to get rid of his gym. So it was, like, perfect. So basically, we were we just stepped into a ready gym, but it was much different. The level was really, really low, and the facility was not very good. So, But when you are crazy, we were too... I mean, we just did that gym just to find a place to train ourselves. We were both, like... In our late 20s, he, was, he he's a little bit older than me, so he was still fighting actively at that time, and I was like 24 or something, so I was just like, <laughs> I don't go, shit, give me two matches to train in, and I'm going to train. So we just did that, never thinking it'll actually work. And little by little, I think when you're really a little bit crazy and motivated people, other crazy people and motivated people will come to you, and you just start being together and, and aiming for something together. And Was there
1: ever a backup plan or any other ideas you had to do let's say if the gym didn't go well or
0: I mean I have my degree in sports so I probably could always I mean I, when I was working in Malaga for the gym in Roger Gracie I was also working as a like a sports instructor in another city so um, I, I guess I could always work doing that but to be honest like I, I never aimed to do that I just wanted to do jiu-jitsu and grappling professionally so if I wouldn't do this, I would probably be military or or at least police officer. So I'm still thinking, what will I do when I grow up? And how has it
1: been a competitor then and being not just a coach, but also a business owner, having a family, all those things? How is it putting all those things together and still be competing at the highest level?
0: I mean, you sort of learn to delegate things like with the gym, for instance, like I have good people working for me there. So I can sort of, have them almost run the gym when i'm in the need of training or focusing for me family is a new thing i have a seven month year old son actually just today third seven months so that's been new for me but it seems like i can still probably <laughs> still do pretty well at high levels even with less sleep and less rest so i mean i think that's that was that was new for me but um other than that i mean i've just done it for such a long time i think anyone who like If you ask any competitor in Europe, they all have the same situation as me. Adam Borczynski has a gym and he has a family. Uh, Tommy Langacker has a gym in Norway. Uh, and I mean, I think anyone else, we all have to sort of teach to make a living. I think I think you'll have zero people here who make money with just being an athlete. So I think we're all at the same situation in, in Europe. And I think in the world as well, in general. I guess the
1: goal always coming up was to have a gym and then you find yourself at, at, at a high level and you're like, oh never mind the gym, I'll be a professional competitor but then a few years down the
0: line you're like, oh, I should open the gym back in the day because you can do both at the same time really. You'll have a little period of, of having a hard time when you start, especially if you start like me from level zero so like like I, I had a little bit of a, like a bad season or two almost in jiu-jitsu because you just don't train with the as good people as you used to train before. Like you eat some humble pie when you have a gym. Like I, When I came back from the ADCC, I came back on the Sunday after. And, and on Monday morning, I went to teach a kimono class and I had two people in class. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I'm a ADCC champion and two people in class. So, But you learn to balance it all. in. And I just train classes that I teach. I just train in it. So, I mean, it's not- for me, it's been always like that. So I, I I don't even know any other way of doing it. Yeah. And how is it being a new dad? It's a lot of fun. It's much more fun than I figured it would be, but it's also like rough. So I think people who are looking to to do that, first of all, you need to find yourself a, a good wife. Like I'm very lucky because my wife, um, she's, she does this, like she's competed all her life and she's a black belt in jujitsu and whatever. So like she understands what I'm going through and she understands the weight cut and she understands that I'm tired. So I've been lucky, We're lucky in that that aspect and I mean I think it's time when you get to your 30s you want to have a family as well or most people so I think I think um, I think you can do it uh, so many people have proved that it can be done Jordan Burroughs and I mean so many people have kids but it definitely isn't like a taking a cat it's a little bit more time
1: consuming you see a lot of people get a lot of meaning out of those things as well like even a bit extra meaning from having the gym representing your students and then loads of extra meaning having the family everything And I guess it takes the pressure off jiu-jitsu. Like I find sometimes myself, if the only thing I've had going on is jiu-jitsu and competing, then like a bad result is like, Jesus, what? Like I'm putting everything into this and I have a bad result. Whereas you
0: get a better result sometimes when you're a bit more chill about the whole thing. I think that's what happened because, like, like I'm very busy with life now as well. So it's like I don't have time to ponder about things as much as I used to before. Like my stress now is like, oh, like I hope I I give a good life to my kid. Also, like I just I, I was thinking of him when I was competing. Like I just want him to think when he understands about things that like his dad was like courageous person. So what
1: kind of things do you have coming up now? You have ADCC in a few months.
0: I think I will not compete probably before the is just to not get injured or do anything else. I think I think I had so many matches at the trials that I, don't, I, I think experience-wise. And um, I mean, I got to coach the kids. I have a really good team of, of young aspiring champions. So I'm going to coach the kids and train really, really hard. I have a bunch of seminars also. I'm going to go to Finland in July. So I'll teach camps and seminars there and do some hard training and just basically stay healthy and aim for the big one.
1: Well, best of luck with it all. I'm looking forward to seeing it now and we'll get you up in that top step at ADCC in a few months. Hey, time. let's do it. Nice. Thank you so much. Big thanks to Santeri for coming on the show. I always find it really interesting to hear the unpredictable nature of some people's jiu-jitsu careers and Santeri's is no different. It was great to hear about how he ended up in Spain teaching, training and working another job at the same time to then go on to having his own gym at a young age and how he balanced the different responsibilities that came along with that. Keep an eye out for Santeri over the next few months, he's really someone to watch coming up to the ADCC this September and I can't wait to see his performance at the event. As usual, if you enjoy the podcast, we have new episodes coming out each week, so it'd be great if you could share it with your friends and subscribe to avoid missing any of the great episodes we have coming out. I've also included down the description some different links if you'd like to support the podcast or check out any of my other Jiu-Jitsu Instructionals, they're all down there. We'll be back next week with a very unique and interesting guest. So until then, slán agus